Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both SnoozeFest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Elizabeth Barron is a New York State licensed mental health counselor and psychotherapist with a master's degree in counseling psychology from Columbia University Teachers College. Her primary clinical focus is maternal mental health from preconception and pregnancy through postpartum and parenting. Previously, she worked as a therapist at the Motherhood Center of New York, where she developed her expertise in treating perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. While at the Motherhood Center, she also served as the community partnerships lead and worked to educate new and expecting mothers and clinical providers on the importance of maternal mental health. Today, she provides individual therapy in her private practice, moderates several support groups, and offers webinars and educational talks to several different brands across the parenting space. Deeply committed to destigmatizing maternal mental health issues, she is passionate about helping women through all stages of motherhood. Elizabeth has a two-year-old daughter and is expecting her second baby girl this summer. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure and I love spending time with you. So I'm really excited to chat and I'm just so impressed with what you've been doing on this podcast. So thanks for having me. Thank you. You're so sweet. So typically whenever we get on Zoom, you and I, um, we're always talking about issues that pertain to new moms, stuff that they're up against, whether, you know, obviously sleep related, right? Um, But today I really wanted to shift gears a little bit and discuss the business side of sleep consulting, because that's what this podcast is all about. So I'd love to chat with you about some of the mental and emotional challenges that we as moms, or dare I say, mompreneurs face Mm -hmm. as we either head back to work or uh, launch a new business. So um, I guess I'll point out like some of the things that felt really hard to me when I was launching my business. And I would love to hear your take on it and, and have you just like, talk me off the ledge about all the things that that felt really, really hard for me. Um, And, and the well, I guess, I guess before we even get started with my stuff, I, I guess I want to back up for a second and ask you if you have any thoughts on why it feels so hard just to admit that you want to try something new. Yeah, why is that so hard? Well, think about it for a second. Like all of us who are listening, I'm assuming most are in right the perinatal time period, the the new and ongoing parenting struggles you know, you think about your childhood for a second and adolescence and all the newness that you experienced throughout your life. The first day of school, the first day of camp, if you ever went the first day of college, your first day on a job. What about moving to a big city after school, your first date with maybe your now partner? I think there's a lot of pressure on the fact that once somebody is maybe older in years, they'll have more sort of of an understanding of how to manage transitions. But the truth is transitions are hard and harder for some people, certainly who have a history of mental health conditions, right? Everyone here knows from um, the intro, I'm a therapist. So I do do a lot of thinking about different time periods of people's life and how it impacts them, especially as mothers and parents. 
But to your question, like starting something new, why would that be easy? Some people find it really exciting and exhilarating, especially an entrepreneur. But I think many, and I think you and I have aligned over this in our businesses and practices over the years, see many more people who are incredibly ambitious and also have this home life that's really sort of energetic, I can say in a kind way, right? And the idea of the intersection between something like ambition and motherhood feels so overwhelming. Of course it does. That's two full-time jobs. And we're not even yet connecting to being a friend, a partner, a daughter, a sister-in-law, a neighbor, um, a volunteer, right? Like there's so many parts of our life. So adding something new, I feel like I just answered that in such a holistic way, but it's like, yeah, of course it's hard, right? Yeah, I really appreciate that. This is why I love talking to you because, you know, when when I was writing up these questions, I'm like, how is she going to answer this? Like, this is an impossible question. And there you go. Like, you just yeah. have the answer. And and of course, it's hard, right? right? It, like, of course it is. Just like so many other things that we do in our lives. Right. And and this is just one more thing that feels hard. And and you touched on something that I want to that I want to bring up. One thing that felt really really hard for me was admitting that I wanted an identity beyond the title of mother. And I'm putting that in air quotes Um, because, you know, before I started my, at first it was a side hustle, which very quickly morphed into a full-time job. My sole identity at that point in my life was wrapped up in just being a mother to my children. Yep. And everybody just knew me as, you know, Sid and Ivy's mom, that was it, you know, and, and that, that was sort of all I had. And while I loved that, I also, you know, was a little nervous to admit that I wanted something more than that. Say why for a second, because something was missing, right? This is the conversation I have day in and day out with clients is like, well, hold on a second. There's a lure. There's a something, there's a, you're bringing this up. What does it mean? What's missing? Right. And that's really when sort of this new identity as working mothers becomes born in my practice for myself, for you, right. In the sleep consulting world. So like, if we were in session right now, I might be saying to you, well, other than being Ivy and Sid's mom, what are you looking for? And you might be like, well, like structure, I might want to have conversation other than pediatrician appointments and poop. Um, I am looking to feel good at something again, where there's feedback. I want to sort of, I'm looking for that sense of achievement that I once earned, right? Like, does this all resonate? Yeah. I was going to add to that for me. It was also a little bit like I wanted to contribute financially to the family. Right. We hear this all the time. There's feelings in, and it doesn't matter, right? Whether you have resources or not, that's a very common feeling as you start to move through those young years of parenting. So wait, tell me even how old were the kids when you decided to do this? They were young. I think Ivy was two, you know, one or two and Sid was, you know, five or six. Right. They were young. Right. So yeah, when you speak to what it felt like when something was missing, but then you have the idea, you feel like something's missing. The idea of newness feels really ambiguous and scary, but you still like pushed through, right? And, and you found something. It's like, I'm sure you've crouched down to your kids at certain times and said, you can do hard things. I believe in you, right? And I think that's something that I love also providing for my moms as they're transitioning and creating new identities for themselves is like, hold on a second. You've done such hard things before you're modeling this for your children. 
now it's your turn. What about you? And how come as mothers, right? This is what you and I always talk about. The needs of others completely are prioritized over your own. But you kind of said, I'm ready for my gig. And now look, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So, so other things that crossed my mind that I would love to just get your take on yeah. uh, when I was first, this was before I even launched my business. This was just when I was thinking about it. Uh, what will friends think? Why did I even care about that? That's so frustrating that I cared. You know, I was worried that it was going to be embarrassing to announce that I had this at the time, just a side hustle, a passion project. And I was embarrassed. I was. But why? I don't know. I'm mortified to even admit it, but I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm sitting here with a therapist and I'm admitting it. (laughs) It's going to help so many people that are sitting there right at home being like, I have this awesome jewelry business idea, or I want to create stationery, or I want to be a sleep consultant or a doula or a therapist, or um, a ba- I want to start a baking business, right? And women who sort of sit there saying, what will everyone think? All this imposter syndrome you and I've discussed starts entering the room. The idea of, will I be seen differently? How will I be perceived What might it mean if people, if I miss something at school now that I'm working, you know, in the evenings or during the day on my sleep consulting business? I mean, you must hear this all the time from the people you're mentoring also in your program, right? It's like, how do you do it all? I I think this, what what my friends think is so much more rooted in sense of self, right? And this feeling of, will I be successful? I think it's more, will I be successful? And if I'm not, what will that be like to be seen in that way versus what will it be feel like to sit on my phone and take a video of myself and post it? Do you agree? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's of course you're right. It's, it's fear. Of, <laughs> of course you're right. It's fear. It's fear of failure, right? Like we're worried about like in my mind, I was like, what are my friends going to think? But really it was, what am I going to have to say if I can't figure this out? Right. Well, Yeah. And fear of failure, right. In self. And then what about in what you're doing? So I think what's interesting about you and I and similarities with business is like for you and I, there's a great, great, great need, right? People need to, uh, I mean, you know, I believe so strongly in what you do. People need tools and skills to help provide, um, I'm going to say lifelong skills such as self-soothing and sleep in order to maintain healthy family life. Right. That's what I always say about you when I'm pitching you (laughs) every single day. Right. Um, and I think for me, from a business perspective, the need continues to be so great, especially in pandemic times for new and expecting mothers, families, parents, to feel that there's space for them where they can process really hard things going on in their life. And if instead, when you're starting a business like sleep consulting, right, you can not only focus on, can I do it, but is there a need? Who will I be helping? What will that benefit? What might that mean to other families? Maybe then there's less sort of right pressure on, can I do this? And instead, how wonderful will it be if I can just help a couple people along the way, you know? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So the reason for why that's so important, and I maybe you realize this and maybe you don't, but the reason for why what you just said is so important is because that's what separates, I think, people who are just in entrepreneurship to make money versus people who are in entrepreneurship to actually make some sort of difference. Yeah. And I, and I think that a lot of times when people, people who I talk to, some of them, 
just like want to make some extra money. And they're like, oh, this sounds interesting. And then some people are so passionate about supporting parents postpartum and supporting uh, parents with toddlers and preschoolers or whatever it may be. And they're so passionate about that. And when you come at business with the lens of I'm here to serve you, I'm mm-hmm. here not to sell you something, but to help you. Yes. Like you're not making a sale, you're, you're helping somebody. And okay. yes, there's an exchange of money and that feels really tricky for people, but you are out there providing a service that people want and need. And you're out there doing that for them, not for yourself, what also sh- for yourself. Right. What, what a shift. shift. What a shift to sort of say to yourself, right. I think I can do this. We'll see what my friends think, right? Sort of being like kind and comedic and compassionate towards yourself. But let's focus on the need and let's focus on how I can be a vehicle to help others. All of a sudden, I think I can see, I see women so much faster jump in and sort of say, okay, if I start there and I'm the vehicle, okay, this feels different. I can do this. Like now what, right? And and now we're having a different conversation to your point. Yeah. And when you believe that you can, let's from the lens of, you know, doing this, doing sleep consulting, because that's what we're talking about here, right? So when you actually have the belief that you can help people, then the like the money part comes, right? So like a lot of us have doubt about being able to grow a business because none of us have ever done that before, right? But, but when you get into something like sleep consulting, if you really truly, you know, understand the way it works, you understand babies, you understand toddlers, you understand how to support parents. Yep. Then like you can you can have confidence in your ability to be successful in helping people, which then results in a successful business. It's so meaningful. And then by the way, people who love you, who love sleep consultants, who have somebody like you in their life, um, because I'm sure there's other sleep consultants duh listening, right? (laughs) You all need this, this sort of network that I have that I feel so lucky to have you because I get to also feel confident on behalf of my patients and friends and family members who are looking to be helped, don't know how to get there. And I have a you to send them. And so again, if somebody who's in that failure to launch sort of like um, perseverating phase about, can I do this? Can I not have somebody in their mind who's helped them in the way that I know you're helping my people, right? Yeah. And I think that also is a big shift for people to hold that person, you know? Yeah, that's really, that's really great. And and that speaks to what I'm always telling my students, which is that making meaningful relationships is the key to having a successful business. Because if if you can't make meaningful relationships with other professionals in, in our situation, it's in the parenting space or in the, you know, motherhood space. Uh, like that's really what drives. So oh, it really is. It really is. Think about yeah. how you and I met and how many years ago and, and our different turns and swivels, right. And through now adding more children to the little team and, um, more business ventures and ideas. And to your point, I think that's the most, that's the most incredible part about why you've even launched this podcast is to sort of say to people like, wait, you don't also have to do it all on your own to move a business, right? You can lean on, other sort of people in the field, in your space, community, people, friends, family, cousins, doulas. I mean, there's lactation consultants, pediatricians. There's ways to sort of share your brain. I know you said, and even in your opening, your trailer for this podcast, right? That you knew you needed to start this because not everybody has that same buzz about sales and marketing and branding. 
but how cool that they can sort of come here and lean on you as a resource while they go out and try and, you know, succeed. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about another expectation that I, I definitely had this and I see that, um, other women that are coming into my program have this as well, this expectation of like early and rapid success. Wow. Can we talk about that? Because I feel like we should all give ourselves a little bit more grace. And obviously that's a lot easier said than done. Right. But, um, you start something and you want to be successful right away. I, I think, I mean, listen, I love social media. You know, I always say this, I also think social media has made something like this more challenging for women to believe that it's okay, that things are a process. If you were my patient, all of you right now listening, you'd hear me all the time saying something like, let's have more of a crawl. Like I compare everything to babies and of course, and development, right? Cause it helps mothers so much be like, oh, right. That's true. <laughs> like how come with babies, when they come out of the womb, we are not assuming they're ready for college, right? But for mothers, there's an expectation and understanding that when you meet baby in the hospital, you're automatically going to love and bond unconditionally and be able to breastfeed and know what um, motor skills they should be. I mean, it's insane, right? So go back to your question, (laughs) this early and rapid success. Think now in perspective, what I just said, the expectation for a sleep consultant is they should have 30 clients year one. I mean, it's insane, right? Rather than five awesome quality clients and families who they help change their life. Like, is it our metrics are off for moms? Is it that social media um, gives a false sense of how it's going in other people's lives? Is it that us as women specifically, because we live in more of a patriarchal society, right? Have this understanding that, um, God, all we want to do is prove that we're worthy and worth it. And we can make shit happen just like men. I think it's a combination of a couple of these things, but I think I'm, I mean, I'm hoping by just sort of articulating this, that you and I see this all the time, that there's more awareness and understanding that if you're listening and starting out what would it be like to sort of make more of a crawl, walk, run plan rather than running with your one week old, sort of speak, if your business is one week old? I mean, right? Doesn't that just yeah. make so much more sense? Of course it does. Of like, course it, it does. Just, it makes me infuriated that as women specifically, there's this expectation and pressure that in order to feel like a success... By the way, who's defining what you feel is success in year one, year two, year three? Where's that coming from? Yeah, well, that uh, that's something that we talk about all the time inside of my community for students mm-hmm. and graduates is that, you know, everybody's definition of success is different. I have women in the program that work full time and support two to three families through sleep wow. training a month, and they're thrilled, like, you know, they're so happy that they're happy, they're supporting two families, and they're helping them and changing their lives. And they're also getting a steady paycheck and health insurance and everything that they need security wise from their day job. And that is bringing them so much joy. And then I have other people that are literally, you know, bringing in six figures doing this work, and they do it full time. And, and I would say like, both of those people that I have in my mind, are like equally happy with their trajectory and their, their, 
their day to day and their income and their like everything that they're doing, they're, they're really like pleased with their work, you know, because it's authentic to them. Right. And so let that be the message today, right. On that point that gosh, find your own measure of success in yourself with your partner, with your kids, with your, whatever else is going on, but get like really honest with yourself. Is it your own metric? Is it what the person that you follow that you don't even know on the other side of the country is doing that you feel is success? Is it that um, you're trying to raise the ranks fast because you need economic um, more support? Or or is it that you're up against some sort of perception of self, which we've talked about before, right? Where you feel you need to hit a certain metric or or part of the ladder in order to feel like an internal success, but you're looking for so much external validation there. Like, what is that? Right. Right. Is success external? Success shouldn't be measured externally. Right. But maybe this is back to that earlier point where it's like, well, what are we, is it about yourself and is it about your checkbook? And that's okay if it is, or is it about the work you're doing to help improve other people's lives and families? And is it their testimonials that make you feel like a success or is it right? So it goes back to like, can we shift sometimes as we're thinking about metrics, not just about self, but about others. And if that, because if that is your priority now, if it really is about making money, that's awesome too. You're right. That it becomes something that women talk about often in this field, right. About sort of having businesses and accepting money and, and that kind of thing, which I, can't imagine a bunch of men talking about on a podcast, but it'd be really (laughs) interesting. Right. But just getting honest about where are these metrics coming from that, that, that articulate what you mean to feel like a success. Yeah. So I shared a bunch of sort of my nerves and objections. You know, I feel like I was pretty vulnerable here and, and admitted to a lot of things that were going on in my mind when I was trying to get my business off the ground. And then I also hear from a lot of women, just because I talk to people all day long who are interested in getting into this field. And what's interesting is I don't hear like, what will my friends think? I don't hear uh, like, I don't believe in myself. I don't hear, you know, all the, I don't hear those things. I hear like, I don't have time or... I can't afford it. Or, you know, those are the things I hear. So I guess what I would love to hear from you is like, what is that? Is that just an easy way to say I'm scared? Mm -hmm. Potentially. Yes. When I hear, I don't have time and maybe it's because right again, everyone's learning about my practice so much. When I talk about my moms and babies, I immediately am thinking like mental load and, you know, I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, but mental load, if you aren't familiar, also sometimes called emotional labor, which might help our, our listeners, right. Is just like having those a million things on your mind all the time. The list, the list, the list it's picking up the eggs. It's labeling your kids lunchbox. It's planning Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa shopping. It's buying and making dinners for the week. It's reading the communications from school, the list goes on. And do we have toilet paper? And then it's after, even if you've asked someone else to buy the eggs, making sure the eggs made it there that night because you need them in two days for something else, right? So like, I hope everyone's laughing for a second because this is real, right? How we feel as mothers. So then <laughs> it's just, it's too good. When, when I think about what all of that would look like at a job, there's a name for it. It's called 
project management. That's exactly right. Is this good? But, and that's a whole job, like a project manager, like they're awesome, right? Clipboard managers, I used to say, I mean, as a kid, by the way, I'll share with everyone. I was not playing house. I was playing, going to a meeting with a clipboard. So this is very familiar to me, but at home, when you think about that list, there's no word for it, which is why I want to really sort of like tell everyone there actually is, it's just not talked about enough. It's called mental load. And I think it can bring up a lot of feelings. I think it can bring up a lot of feelings as it relates to, is there enough time in the day? How come other people in my family don't feel this sort of same connection to the list or need to get the list done? So I'm going to argue that when I hear someone say, I don't have time, it might be a cop-out and they're scared. And it goes back to that like sort of intersection between being both ambitious and a mom and how will I do this? But when I really hear mental load stuff come up with my moms, I'm thinking to myself, you're right. That is a big job you just brought up. But like, what would it be like to share the list with a partner? What would it be like to prioritize the list? What needs to get done today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, but can wait Thursday, Friday, so that we might have more hours for Jane Sleep Consulting sort of class that you need to join, right? So I really think there's a way to sort of sit and process and talk through the things that are holding women up, like I don't have time or my effing list has legs and arms, which we all believe it's, I mean, right? Like the list, as I'm sitting here with you and as I see clients, if everyone could see right now, there's like seven lists next to my desk and it's about how we assign value, right? To these things that we have to get done. And are there other parts of our lives like entrepreneurship or business or helping others or making more money on the side as a hustle that are also worth our time and energy and investment, but we just don't know how to integrate and make space for both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the integration is the hardest part. That's something that I really struggled with because I was always the the default parent, right? The one that was carrying the yep. emotional load, carrying the the list. Yes. I was in, I'm in charge of the list in my house. And when I was a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't working, it was my entire job to be, as you said, the project manager. And that was my role. And then the idea of taking on something else, it's like, okay, well now there's going to be this shift. balance of power shift within my family, because if I'm going to be working even part-time, let's not even say full-time, but even if I'm going to be working part-time, like I was already doing a full-time job. And right. And so now the responsibilities and the, not just the responsibilities, but the dynamic mm-hmm. within my household needed to change a little bit, you know? Agree. And relationship and I, to children, relationship to partner, relationship to house, to self, it all changes. I completely agree. Yeah. But what I will say is that ever since I started working again, um, I feel like happier within my home. I feel actually that the balance of responsibilities, I actually hold less resentment now because my husband is, uh, he has to help more. Like he was, he was helpful before, but like, he really has to help more because there's no other option, you know, like we, it's so true. You know what I've heard a lot in the last two years in this wild pandemic that won't end is that my working mothers versus my mothers that are working in the home, right. Have conversations all the time about whose job is more important. And I think when there's like a childcare issue, for example, 
right? Um, or you were like in my family a couple of weeks ago when after a two-year fight, we all got COVID. There was a really big dialogue between my husband and I about division of labor and what it was going to mean to both need to work and also both care for our child so that we could both work without our wonderful childcare who couldn't come. And it makes me think about that on a personal level, right? Because I was so humble to see my husband sort of not say to me, you have to cancel all your clients. Like there's a real sort of um, equality in my household about the importance of and value that we both bring to our jobs. And I hope that for all moms, even if you are home all day long, that they feel valued, right? But we often know, and I certainly see this in my work that, and thank you for saying that for other moms to know that like resentment is a common feeling that comes up for women that aren't yet working or choose not to, even if it's a choice or don't have the option. And like, this is a big thing that I think comes up in, in, in relationships when people are saying, I think I'm ready to go back to the workforce. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Right. But it's like, can you have this dialogue and communication with your partner? We just got like really deep into it. So I, I I love that. I love that about you. Uh, you know, I, I feel so much better now that I, now that I am advocating for my own like self-worth and my own things that I want to be doing, you know, before it was like, I have to do all this stuff. And now it's like, no, I'm doing what I want to be doing. And then we're all, my husband and I are dividing the stuff. There you go, though. That just brought us back to that mental load conversation that like, if you tell him to get the eggs, there's also trust that the eggs will make it into the fridge because of the dialogue that needed to happen in order for you to go be a success for other people and for your business. Right. And I think I see that really change and evolve. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think what you're saying, and I certainly agree, is it's worth it. If you want something like this sleep consulting business that you're all listening to, right? Like, please know that it doesn't mean it's going to always be easy in the beginning, but talk about our, our crawl, walk, run plan, right? A couple months, weeks, years into it, you won't remember what it feels like to be only responsible for things like mental load and wishing that you could be more project manager at a different kind of job and gig, right? Right. Right. Cause I'm still the project manager. Just I have a different job now. And by the way, just to sort of say for people who aren't feeling like they're doing it all and all well, cause we know this comes up too, as people are starting businesses, sleep consulting or other ones, right. Is, you know, there is this sort of feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm failing at something. And when I was a stay at home mom, I was doing it all really well. But now that I have this business, like I'm failing in one part of my life, I think this is all par for the course in the feelings of what it means to go through newness and transition and just know it gets better. Right. Yeah. Which I think that's, pro- this is probably a great place to like tie everything up because, you know, sort of the last thing that I wanted to say is that I think the most important thing when you are starting a new business is that you give yourself some grace. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's like the one thing that I see missing from so many of the women that I'm mentoring and leading on this journey is that everybody's just really hard on themselves. Don't like, you see this with your clients too? You see this with almost everyone I send your way too. Like yeah. really sort of hard on yeah. themselves, right? To know exactly what their baby needs at all times. Like, what do you mean? You've just met them. Of course you don't know what they need. And right, like they might surprise you in the middle of the night because that's what babies do. And why do you believe you should know? Um, so to your your point, yeah, I think 
so much compassion, kindness, room for self to process during that transition period as you're starting your businesses to the people who are listening, right? Like knowing it's okay to not be in love with the decision to start a business every single day, that there's hard ones and then there's really exciting ones, but we don't want it to ever feel so up and down, so black and white, so either all good or all regretful. We want it to feel like something in between. You know, I always talk about the gray area and this idea, right, that these two things can exist together. So, I mean, my my thought to respond to that point that you're saying is, yeah, not enough grace, not enough kindness, not enough patience with oneself, and just sort of know it can be both. It can be both exciting and daunting. It could you could be both vulnerable and confident all at the same time, you know? Yeah. You took that word right out of my mouth. I was going to say patient too. So (laughs) it's, but I love it. Right. I love that. I mean, we're always aligned, but this idea of patience in all parts of our lives, by the way, even when, you know, you just shared on a personal note that things changed in your dynamic in your house, like you had to be patient to know that maybe sometimes it felt icky and that you thought it would feel better eventually. And here you are feeling awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Let's end, let's end there. Um, before we do sign off, um, where can everybody find you? Do you want to share your website, social media? Yes. Website is, um, Elizabeth Barron, lmhc.com and a new Instagram, which you and I need to talk about after this conversation, right? That's, um, at with Elizabeth B. So you can find me there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I love chatting with you. This will not be the last time we will have to do this again very, very soon. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom on this very, very complicated topic. So you are so welcome. Always, you know how much I love you. So thanks for having me. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much, and I hope you will tune in for the next episode.